Welcome back, everybody, to Roots to Grooves. What up? I'm Jesse. I'm Jay. And this is Roots to Grooves, like he said. Yeah. Jay, thank you for being the founder of Signal Radio and for producing this whole show. Thank you for being the co-founder of Roots to Grooves. Thank you. Yeah. It's been real. It's been real. It's We've, been fun. We're many episodes deep now, but we're enjoying it. I hope the listeners are and the viewers are as well at the same time. Totally. And if you're not, email us. <laughs> email us and let us know what we could do better. Yeah, at Roots to Grooves at uh, SignalRadio.com. S-I-G-N-L Radio.com. Oh, you got it. No excuses. No excuses. We're talking about Alexandra Savior. Yes. Have you ever heard the name? No. I had not heard of her at all until you messaged, her, uh, messaged me. There's my name. pick for the week. Um, that's happened a few times in a row now where you've sent me an artist and I haven't heard of them. And, I try to, uh, I try to switch it up. It's good because it like it expands my musical knowledge. and that's what I'm here for. <laughs> what Roots to Grooves is here for everybody else as well. Yeah, and I haven't not liked an artist that you've brought to me yet. So Likewise. Um, yeah, I, We like some good music, Jay. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I like to think at yeah. least. Uh, uh, yeah. So she's a super cool young yeah. vocalist songwriter. Yeah, um, it quickly identified as I as some sort of indie rock. Yeah, um, you know, folky Americana. Yeah, I would say so. A little bit lo-fi. Yeah, kind of kind of bedroom, dreamy, wavy, yeah. sultry. I said. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I broke down sultry for some reason. No, that's um, good. It reminded yeah. me of uh, some of her stuff. Reminds me of Lana Del Rey. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, but more of like a bedroom. You yeah. Know? You know that. Well, you know what I mean by bedroom. That's a, a way to describe music, kind uh, of now. What do you, What do you mean by bedroom when you say? I, it's hard. I don't know. I know <laughs> what I mean in my head, but what it means in reality is I'm not sure how people perceive that. You mean like bedroom produced or be, like listening to music in your bedroom? Well, describing something like bedroom is describing something that sounds like it was kind of made in, for, for in a bedroom. bedroom. Oh, in a bedroom. Okay. <laughs> for the bedroom. <laughs> no, um, I mean, that too. Yeah. But I, I hope people know what I mean when I say that, because it's not a diss or anything. Um, so it doesn't sound like big produced? Yeah, it just doesn't sound like, oh, this was made in a huge, okay, yeah, with, yeah, a, yeah. with a huge orchestra and many people working on it. It, yeah. it just kind of gives that vibe that it's yeah. a little more DIY solo artist yeah. doing it themselves kind of thing and i think you could hear that in different yeah different genres even and, yeah, and yeah, with yeah. tons of different artists yeah um maybe i'm totally wrong to use that word as a descriptor no i i think that yeah i think that works when i think of bedroom things i think of more of like producers like on laptops and stuff like yeah that, that sort of bedroom totally. lo-fi thing but um yeah i get what you're saying with uh alexandra because yeah it's it's not um it's like a it's not a big spectacle production mm-hmm. it yeah. sounds really good like her she has, only has two albums out right yep and uh, uh let's just say 2017 was her first one bella donna of sadness mm-hmm. and then her most recent one from 2020 called the archer totally so um, she's very much up and coming yeah. like you just said she has these two albums out she's like 21 or 22 years old uh, um she's 25 now she's 25 now yeah yeah i think she was 21 when her first album came out mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so and then going back i think she was even into music when she was like 14 or yeah. she might have written her her first song yeah so she's from um well her real name uh alexandra savior is her middle name and mm-hmm. her last name is mcdermott nice okay cool yeah i didn't look that up and uh yeah so she's from portland oregon which is not too far from here mm-hmm. which uh, somewhere i also thought said they that she was born in vancouver oh washington she may have been but so, i think she grew up mostly in portland okay but, yeah. that makes a lot of sense yeah and um yeah like you said um i think her brother was into music a lot as well um he apparently when she was younger, moved to LA himself to pursue a career in music. Okay. I don't know where he's at now, what he's doing. I didn't really look into his Yeah, he that. didn't come up in my research. <laughs> but um, yeah, because it was a little bit confusing because she got a ukulele was her first instrument. And she even couldn't remember whether her dad got it for her or her brother got it for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, she couldn't remember. So I, I guess she didn't care um, too much. Um, but no she matter. Said, yeah, she said she... Uh, you know, she loved it when she got it, and she said she would never play ukulele now, but when she was 14, it was great, 
And yeah, she wrote a first song on that called Lazy Daisy Crazy. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, yeah. you, you didn't hear that, did you? I don't, Is that recorded anywhere? I don't think it's recorded anywhere. Like, I don't know. But, like that's um, some early underground Alexandra some, Savior stuff. Uh, yeah, early underground shit. Not even released. Maybe it's on a four track. I think she was out <laughs> outside of the 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 jump the uh, generation that had four tracks. Yeah, just this is probably the first artist that we've covered that didn't <laughs> start on a four track. Yeah, no. recording device. She started with uh, just guitars and singing and songwriting. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds like. Yeah, her voice really. I think it's her voice is really what captured people. Mm-hmm. It seems like. Yeah, that's yeah. what captured me. I, yeah. I discovered her when I. Um, when she, I, I, I don't know where it came from, but I discovered Belladonna of Sadness. Mm. I'm not sure where I first heard it, um, but that definitely captivated me. Her vocals are super cool, mm-hmm. super chill, super soft. Um, mm. I, I really like her lyrics. Mm. She seems to use really cool words to paint a really cool picture. Yeah, I was thinking about this as I was, as I was researching and prepping for the show, and I realized, I might have said this on another episode kind of thing, but I'm not, a, I'm probably like one of the rarest music listeners because i don't really listen to lyrics <laughs> okay when i'm listening to music I'm, I'm more listening to the the instrumentation and everything i think that's probably mm-hmm. comes from me being a drummer and wanting to be a producer and just kind of listening to the sonic landscape versus totally one of these people that's into lyrics but but i thought about this because she seems like someone who is very um good lyrically and is writing about very specific poignant things that touch people and i wish i would just go back and spend a little bit more time listening to what she's singing about um i don't know if you have or you have some comments on that but like yeah that was just kind of my my i was like she seems like someone that has something to say and like yeah yeah. so i mean i think she's she's a little bit of a shy and introspective type person Mm. um so I think she thinks a lot about the lyrics and that matters to her at least. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily matter to the listener always because um, a lot of times I'll listen to lyrics, but I won't be perceiving what the, the phrase meant or said, but still just the way the words are sung and with the infliction and the, mm-hmm. and the melody that's going along with them, they, that can kind of tell a story on its own yeah. um, besides actually you know, figuring out what the words and the definitions are and how that sentence yeah. makes a makes a story yeah um but that's especially when i'm first listening to it because it's hard to you're listening to it in a car or something it's hard to hear and concentrate on specifically everything that's going on as far as the production and the lyrics and melody mm. so i i tend to when i'm hearing a new artist especially i'll just kind of focus on just the words so what is the vocabulary they're using and what are the inflictions and the melody and how is that telling me a story mm. and a lot of time i can get most of my enjoyment out of that yeah you know what i mean as yeah. in, you know in conjunction with the music yeah and then i'll usually when if i like him if i like an artist if i like their music i'll go back later and listen to it um with my phone and like look up the lyrics and read along as i'm listening okay. and yeah. and then that's a whole kind of new deeper experience on top of that first initial listen where i can kind of actually see what she's talking about and kind of decipher the the poems and yeah, yeah. stuff like that not just this artist but but any artist for me personally yeah um and that's that's a super fun way to do it because there's uh different levels you know just listen to it off the cuff how does yeah. it make you feel what do you what do you think about when you're listening to this and then you can kind of go deeper and kind of study the music um yeah. and that's kind of how i tend to do it with with just in my personal life as far as music goes so like a little bit of an aside uh talked about I don't know why I'm talking about Red Hot Chili Peppers right now. But. Bring them up. Love it. <laughs> but, you know, we were both inspired by them, I think. Yeah. But um, uh, I remember having a conversation with a guitarist that was in my band years ago. Um, and he was like, those lyrics, like, can, do you know what Antikidis is singing about? Because a lot of his lyrics seem very cryptic and hard to understand. Like, no, I know, think yeah. he's mostly saying gibberish. Well, he literally, For the most part. Did, I think there was literally a verse in some song like where it's just like, bending, bang, bang, bang. Oh, yeah, like literally <laughs> just sounds. Yeah, he was just like, fuck it, I'm not writing the rest of this. <laughs> bending, bang, bang. No, is, this is a TikTok video. Yeah, bending, this, bang, this is going to be <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Creating content within content. There you go. Uh, no, I think Anthony Kiedis starts a lot of songs like that. And many artists do kind of just saying syllables, whatever's popping into your head. As you're kind of trying to think and put lyrics and a melody over some music. 
Well, actually, yeah, that is, so that reminds me of what I uh, heard Alexander say about this. Like, well, first of all, she said l- writing lyrics is one of her favorite things about the music creation process mm-hmm. um, because she thinks it's challenging and it's like putting together putting together a puzzle. Right, um, I agree. And and the other part of it as well is like how she creates a song. She actually starts with like guitar chords first. And then she starts kind of humming a melody around it Mm -hmm. and, you know, to get a sense melodically melodically of where the vocals are going to fit. And then I think she sort of starts writing what she's going to say over that. Kind of has that that path of where the melody's going and what's what's being um, sung and then kind of add the lyrics on top of that and words that fit with, you know, vocabulary that fits and and creates a story that way. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. So um, I think, yeah, I think she does a great job of that. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to interrupt your story. No, 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 go ahead. Cause I was going to, I want to talk about the first album, but um, yeah, there's a little bit of back initial story as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, (laughs) this is my favorite album of hers. One, one out of only two albums. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go for it. Start us off. How far back are we going? Okay, well, so before we dive into her first album, um, <laughs> like, you know, she, yeah, she got her ukulele at 14, mm-hmm. right? And uh, started kind of writing songs around then. I think she did a lot of like musical stuff at school as well. Like she oh, was right. some plays and stuff like that. Yeah, I think she did some musicals, so yeah. some, some, some theater. Yeah, yeah. And, and sort of doing that. Um, I guess she discovered she had a voice mm-hmm. early on and was kind of into that and using it in that way and right. like musicals. And then she was also an artist too. Like she paints a lot. A lot I yeah, think. yeah. Yeah. She does that. And, um, she makes some of her own music videos as well. Like mm-hmm. She gets into a bit of the video editing side of things. Yeah. So that's one it's of our of, favorite things is when, uh, yeah. people are doing it DIY. Yeah. And so she's yeah. totally encompasses that. And, yeah. And, um, yeah. So like, well, let's a little bit of her inspirations as well. Um, apparently when she was growing up, there was a lot of, um, Pink Floyd and Muddy Waters and Beatles mm-hmm. being played in her household. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then she also cites Otis Redding, Etta James, Jack White and Amy Winehouse and Adele as some of her own personal influences. Nice. Um, as well as the films of Terry Gilliam from a visual approach because like we okay. said she makes some uh, videos and you know some terry gilliam films no like, not at all not at all he was uh, the additional member of monty python you know monty python yeah yeah, he, totally. yeah did you ever watch any <laughs> uh show uh, monty python episodes not really just do you, do you know vaguely about the animated sequences between some of the sketches? No, I don't, I'm not that familiar. So, yeah, with Terry Gilliam, he was the only American that was part of Monty Python. And okay. he made all the animated sequences that happened in between okay. shows, uh, skits on that show. He's also gone on and done um, a lot of great movies, which I'm blanking on all the names on. Um, 12 Monkeys. Bruce, didn't see it Bruce okay. Willis oh you gotta see that you gotta see that with Bruce Willis movie night we keep talking about on movie We're, nights the need to have well, so many movies. let's write this down and we'll have a movie I'll bring the popcorn yeah um yeah he's done a lot of good movies so but always weird he's like very kind of odd guy yeah very odd like he took a shit ton of LSD and you know that's kind of got approach. creative what about Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas I have seen that with Johnny Depp yeah that's a Terry Gilliam film oh is that yeah, okay yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then that so, that makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Films weird, right? Yeah. So yeah. totally visually very interesting mm-hmm. um, stuff. Like yeah. Off, no. Off I'll have to go. I'll have to watch some more yeah. of his stuff. Yeah. More. Yeah. I got to take a weekend off and just watch some media, consume some content. Exactly. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> fire up your Netflix. Um, My Netflix device. Device. I think you have to pull the cord. You know, like on a, like a lawnmower. Yeah, like a lawnmower or like I was thinking more of like a boat, you know. Oh, okay. Thing, yeah. Same, same. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how you have to activate Netflix. Okay. Yeah. So Maybe that's how I don't have to pay the the bill every month. Yeah, because like, that generates energy that Netflix uses. It's some kind of yeah. physical. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of know what we're talking about and I kind of don't. I'm trying to go Terry Gilliam on everything. <laughs> yeah, we're good. It's getting trippy. <laughs> Twilight Zone. <laughs> um, one of the other influences that I saw come up was Adrian Young. 
Yes, I saw that as well, which is cool because we did a, we did an episode on Adrian mm-hmm. Young, and um, he's obviously a super cool guy. And she was quoting yeah. um, Alexandra Savior was was saying how you know, she's, collaboration. Yeah, 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 totally. We maybe we read the same article or something, mm-hmm. but he, obviously uh, we talked about this in another episode. Hopefully, every hopefully everybody listen to that because adrian young is super cool and has a studio downtown la with no computers yeah completely analog studio mm-hmm. and uh makes a lot of stuff that's late 60s early 70s um style stuff and he records it the same way as mm-hmm. they did using the same equipment and everything the same styles of production yeah so um super cool guy to be to be inspired by and he has some great music out there yeah and the, i think it was one of something about april i'm not sure if that can't remember if that was his first release or something, but that was the yeah. one she mentioned as being. I saw that as well. I think it was the first, and then I think he had later yeah. re-released it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something. Yeah, we, yeah. That, so. That's a reoccurring thing we've been talking about, how artists will find it's re-released in a different order than it says yeah. somewhere online, as on Spotify. Yeah. Um, so just keep that in mind. But I think yeah. that was his first one, so Adrian Young is dope. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, she has a, a musical and artistic background for sure Yeah. from, from being very young. And the first thing she did, like really, <laughs> and this is very strange, because it was like a YouTube video um, of a cover song called Big Jet Plane. Did you come across that? Oh, I didn't see that. So that was like the first sort of thing she put out when she was a teenager. Someone's re-uploaded the video to YouTube. It's just basically her and a friend playing guitar and they're singing the song Big Jet Plane which was originally done by a brother and sister Joe called Angus and Julia Stone. I think I recognize that song. Yeah, it's a really good song. Like, um, they're a good group as well, actually. Ang- yeah, yeah, I think, one, yeah, I think, Okay, I think I got it. Uh, so here's the weird thing. She did a cover of this with her friend, um, just like in their house kind of thing. And, it, and it's really shitty audio. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's literally done on like a webcam or a phone sort of thing. But her voice is really good in it. And, you know... And and here's the weird thing that happened is apparently it went around the internet and Courtney Love watched it and saw it. I did read something about Courtney Love yeah. and they got in contact somehow. Yeah, and she started sending essay long emails to her, which she thought was completely surreal. And even they talked on the phone. And then Alexandra said it was funny because she had uh, in her house, they had like a tomato telephone, like, a te- you know, one of those gimmicky telephones in the shape of a tomato. I've never seen tomato. one of those, but uh, I'm a tomato guy. Tomato. And uh, that's cool. Sounds fun. Yeah. So she says she'd be cross-legged on the floor of her living room on the tomato phone talking to Courtney Love. <laughs> what a bizarre way to... <laughs> Enter the music industry. Just off of a cover song she put on YouTube, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is before her first album came yeah, out. Yeah, before any of that stuff happened. So I think kind of like, and I, I'm, the reason I'm talking about this is because she's had a few issues with the industry in general sort of thing. Right. And, um, and I think this kind of what led her towards getting some record deals and some notice. You know, it was that song, the cover of YouTube video, the conversations with Courtney Love, she went to a label where she like played kind of three of her songs to this label. Mm-hmm. And then she said, they sat me down on a stool and they asked me, do you want to be like Katy Perry or pink kind of thing? And pick she, one. Yeah. And she was like, uh, alarm bells, I think rang in her head. Red flag. When she was like, I want to be a pop star. Like these people, like I want to make music and write and do her thing. Be a songwriter, of. not a, yeah. A perceived yeah. concocted, um, yeah, so I'm not facade of exactly, an artist. Yeah, and so I'm not really clear on the next steps of what happened and stuff like that. But she eventually found herself signed to Columbia Records, mm-hmm. a major label, right? And she got hooked up with um, Alex. What's his name? Is it Turner? Turner. I was going to say Taylor. Alex T- Turner, lead guy from Arctic Monkeys, which is huge. Yeah, yeah which is uh, huge. Yeah. So. Alexandria Savior we're talking about and yeah. she apparently has a a tendency to meet famous people in the music industry fairly easily. Do, is there other people uh, she's met? <laughs> well, I mean just starting from the beginning of her yeah. career. Mm-hmm. Um you know, already talking with Courtney Love, mm-hmm. talking with Alex Turner and making mm-hmm. an album with him. Mm-hmm. And jumping ahead a, a, a little bit but you know, the cat's out of the bag. They made this first album together yeah. and Alex Turner produced it. And Well, this is why I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, because I want to get to talking about this. Yeah, no, we're here. We're here, baby. We're we here. arrived. But yeah, I think it was sort of fuzzy. 
In my mind, from what I've researched, it seems like she did a YouTube video that went viral. Mm -hmm. Courtney Love got hooked up with her. She did some talking with a bunch of record labels about signing her kind of right. thing. And she, I think, signed to some other label or something. And it didn't work out. I'm not sure what happened there. But she eventually signed with Columbia, which is a major label. Mm -hmm. And they basically set up her and Alex Turner. Oh, like so a, they kind of put them together. Yeah. So okay. She didn't meet him. Like it was like they. It was like a label thing. Kind of thing. It was like you know this right. guy might be able to work with you on writing and producing your okay. first album, sort of thing. That makes so, a lot more sense because I was yeah. trying to. I was looking and I was researching like how did they meet? Like what was the initial? Yeah, it was a label meeting. The first meeting they met in a cafe called the Mustard Seed Cafe. Mm -hmm. I did see that. So the and yeah. this. So I, I think we kind of skipped over. She moved from the Pacific Northwest to L.A. And she was already yeah. here during this time that we're talking about. Yeah, I think she... See, I don't know the label situation, whether she was already signed to Columbia and they were like, come out to LA, mm -hmm. get you set up, we'll have you meet some people, yeah, um, kind of thing, like about who to work with on your album, sort of thing. Um, and she's actually said, you know, she, she picked them out of other people that were offering deals because they were the only one that weren't trying to make a product out of her. And right. they weren't comparing her to big pop stars and they weren't trying to do this whole turn thing. her into pink or katy yeah, perry yeah, yeah so it seems like to me from everything i've heard about that that it was sort of like the labels were interested because she was young and good looking and had a good voice yeah like i i, I don't mean to sound like bad or whatever but you know how the industry works about making products out of people yeah totally like and when you can get them you know young and aspiring yeah, yeah. there's a lot of um and so i think she had to fight potential her way through that to be like you know i'm not going to be a justin bieber or some youtube discovery it's like i actually have songs that i've written and a thing that i want to do yeah so let's start trying to work with someone who is gonna complement that and i think that's right. how that alex turner meeting came about probably I'm yeah, just guessing. No. <laughs> but it, seem, it seems about right. It thing. sounds like you're you could have a job at Capitol <laughs> Records or uh, or was it Columbia? Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Either way, I'm I'm super glad that it happened. I think it was a super. I think they hit a home run. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's awesome. That yeah, yeah. that's so. I mean, yeah, we're talking about Belladonna of Sadness, Alexandra yeah. Xavier's first album. That yeah. was. Um, she wrote some of the stuff, and then Alex Turner wrote a couple of the songs, at least. Yeah, I think and, they and produced. Yeah, they definitely the co-wrote, collaborate. It sounds like they're doing it for a while because there's songs that didn't make the album that they wrote together. Mm -hmm. I think there was like one song that didn't make it that Alex Turner ended up doing with a different right. band that he has. Yeah, I saw that. I yeah. I didn't write down the the name of the song though. And there was also a song um, they did for the HBO show True Detective. Mm -hmm. um, so that one of, that was her first single off of yeah. this album Belladonna of Sadness, right? And so yeah, yeah it was yeah. there was it got a placement on yeah on True Detective, which is yeah. you know awesome. I think she was saying, I think uh, an interviewer was asking her whether she had a lot of power over where her music was getting placed and if she cared that much. Yeah. And and at first, I think she said she didn't care too much, but then she kind of cares more because it's. I mean, I don't know exactly. I can't remember exactly what I was reading. I think it was the opposite. I think it was like originally like these songs were her babies, she said. Mm -hmm. And she was like really aware of like where they wanted to place these things. Yeah. Put it in like a show, for example, have the right vibes yeah. that she yeah. relates to. But I think like the, the more she's progressed in her career, she realizes the importance of having your music exposed mm -hmm. to as wide an audience as possible. So I think she's less precious about where the music's placed now sort of thing right but like, yeah. yeah so from yeah. a marketing perspective yeah. definitely better to get it in front of people rather than like yeah. be too picky and not have anybody listen to your music at all yeah which reminds me of like a, that's something that Moby did um, his real big album that was in the early 2000s I think it was like Press Play or something like that I'm not sure it was like the song that had all of his big hits on it like okay he like licensed every track to be available for anything mm -hmm. like for movies, commercials. Like he just like, just take he, it, put he, it wherever you want. Yeah. And he, he, he sort of put a thing on it where it was sort of like, I don't even have to approve it. 
just yeah. like uh, pre-approved automatic approval to anyone that was like obviously they have to pay money you know and that but like but he didn't care where it was and that actually worked in his favor because that helped him go massive with that album because when mm -hmm. that album came out like you know he had like five different tracks of his on like this commercial this commercial like you know this that's movie, great this tv trailer you know because even they do like trailers for tv shows on tv and that and like right. his music was using you know which no. i think it's not a bad i mean i don't know how you feel about that but like i i wouldn't care necessarily unless it was like being used at a trump rally or something like that but you know. right the, then it would get yeah, a little hairy for some artists political stuff maybe just like no political things but everything else is right like whatever okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we're increasingly living in a you know a music industry where it's more important to to take what opportunities are available to you. Well, I think you have to as well because like the money is not you know is very hard to come by in the music industry like to make right. a living out of music. Right, and like really the big paydays in this day and age in the music industry come from having your music placed in movies and commercials and everything like that. Yeah, that's huge for an artist. And and for and show live shows. Like really those two things are like what makes yeah, a, touring career, a financial career. And you know, selling artist. merchandise at shows. Yeah, yeah. Right. Everything else is you know, I think streaming is like at the bottom of the totem pole, like in terms of where the financial income comes from an artist yeah. kind of for an artist. Yeah. Totally. It's yeah, it's it's weird. It's kind of backwards. Yeah. People are paying more for the, the, the shirts and the jackets yeah. or or T V placements or something. That's how artists are making money rather than I'm gonna buy an album or I'm gonna buy this music. All the music's for free. Yeah. yeah. With your, your ten dollar Spotify premium account. But also she Alexandra makes her own merch as well. I, mm -hmm. I saw she was like making underwear or something like that. Is that yeah, I think she has a sewing <laughs> machine and and yeah. for a while she's making yeah underwear and other garments or yeah whatever what do you yeah. call them textiles okay yeah. um yeah things that people wear and then using her art um i mm -hmm. think she did the artwork on the belladonna of sadness yeah which is like a little kind of leaf flower situation i don't know it's a cool little yeah. piece of art don't mean to say little as in belittling <laughs> But it's just kind of a small image. Is it a painting or is it a photograph? I think it's painting. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah it looks good. But yeah, so, I mean, she's using, you know, her DIY skills and she's she's doing the artwork, um, you know. Yeah. She's doing, you know, songwriting. Um, and she's, she's just, yeah, well-rounded as an artist and she's making it all happen. Yeah, yeah. Doing a little of this, a little of that um, to, to make her whole campaign well-rounded. Yeah. So, yeah, she's putting in the work. Yeah, and then um, I think maybe we should we should play a track off of this first album. Yeah, get a little vibe for it, and then we could talk about um, what the album's about. Absolutely, let's okay. do that. Um, let's play Mirage. Cool, that's the first track on the album. Nice, and uh, that's a good one. Yeah. Violet was tickling my fancy. Gives I just the right amount of soul. Check it out. Mirage, first track from Belladonna of Sadness, her debut album. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know, it's super groovy and fun. And so I think you can yeah. hear the Alex Turner production, because it reminds yeah. me a little bit of, I think, the Arctic Monkeys' latest album, okay. um, Hotel Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, hmm. which is a cool album. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think he's still kind of using some of those vibes when he was you know, making that album and then made this album. It was, did it come out at the same time, I think, or not? Um, ish. Ish, okay, yeah. I think, I, I don't even have the, I don't have the stat off the top of my head when Hotel and Casino came out. That's the one thing I did think about this album. I did really like it, um, but I could also um, either fortunately or unfortunately see that you could swap out her vocals with Alex Turner's very, yeah. very easily. And, you know, you could definitely hear his stamp right. on all of the tracks sort of thing, like. Her her delivery, I think, sometimes as well, like in the lyrics and the mm -hmm. vocals. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's Turner esque. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. could say, and so yeah, I definitely I definitely picked up on that too. Not to take anything away from her, because yeah. the reason I I was, you know, infatuated with this artist is because you can hear her vocals are very cool, very nice, and she comes up with cool melodies. And you know, who's to say what, who came up with which melody at which point? Yeah. Um, but I think she's still putting a lot of work into that and making it sound really good yeah. and and she's doing a lot of the lyrics and stuff yeah. and and she puts a lot of effort into making each 
part and each phrase that she's singing really emotional yeah. and really tells a story yeah. um, with the way she says the words yeah, yeah. And, and sings the song. So Yeah, they said um, like about their writing process that they're kind of very different. Um, but I think they, she said that she thinks ultimately they taught a lot to each other right um about uh, about writing music kind of thing where she she feels like she's a little bit more disorganized kind of thing and he's mm-hmm. very has a very much like a work ethic kind of thing like, yeah she said she'd go over to his house yeah. in la yeah. and he'd be like we're working on this song yeah right now and he'd today. have like a he'd like have a topic or something like that right sometimes like for a song like and, something to focus on yeah and it'd be very sort of structured and and, and she would be like oh do you want to go to the coffee shop do you, do you want to watch tv or yeah something? <laughs> just chill we'll, we'll figure it out yeah, later yeah. where i think you know um you know obviously yeah it's just a different yeah thing i mean approach, they're but like yeah it's like, technically literally in in different generations alex turner would yeah, be a true. millennial how old is he I think he'd be a millennial. He's probably like thirty. Yeah, he must be two to thirty-five. Uh, I remember they were they to were guess. getting big before I came to the U.S., which is like two thousand six. But Arctic Monkeys know. have been around for a minute now. Yeah, they've been around for so, a while. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, I don't know. Super good though. I need yeah. to check out some more Arctic Monkeys. Oh yeah, I loved them when they first came out. Um, they had that one music video of their first song, and they were like playing it live, kind of thing. Oh, I didn't um, see that. They made it. So there's this old, old music TV show in the UK called The Old Grey Whistle Test. Hmm. And uh, that show was on TV in like the 70s, mostly. And um, it was all like live performances. And they filmed it in a TV studio and they didn't even do a set. They just, it was just like a bare bones TV studio where you could see all of like the the, the cabling and the wiring and right. everything like that. Um, but they had some big artists like Jimi Hendrix did it. Nice. Bob Marley did it. Nice. Um, and I think that's how they were inspired for the Arctic Monkeys music video. Basically, it looks like they even had these old cameras that made it look a bit like 70s. Gotcha. You know, when you like turn the camera and there's like a ghosting sort of image, like yeah. a like, blurry it's, thing that happens. It's catching so, up. It's that old school technology. They're really good. It was like really tight and fast and like, real tight song they're um, they're pros they do it really yeah, well yeah. his drummer actually i think i mentioned this before who like hit their drummer is one of my um top drummers oh really and i don't have many people on that list what's his name i don't know his name <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a big fanboy to like know people's names yeah but, um, but you still respect him and, and know what he does and what he's about he's excellent he's real just natural feel um there was also this super hybrid band that he played in um, with uh, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age. Okay. And a couple of other guys. They formed this like four-piece band and he's playing in that. It's really Sick. Good. Yeah. Kind of some kind of super group or something, huh? It is a super group. I can't remember the, where the other guys are from, but they were from like massive bands as well. Right? So, but, um, so but, yeah, I mean, so this album is dope. Belladonna of Sadness, I found where she came up with the name. Yeah, yeah. It's, fr- it's from a, a Japanese anime film Yeah, made in, in 1973, or it came out in 1973. Yeah. I think about witchcraft. Yes, yeah, it seems a little bit dark as well. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. This main character was like raped or something and then goes on this whole... I don't know, is that dark? ...journey of witchcraft and yeah. Okay, kind of, uh, maybe I won't watch that. <laughs> That's not going to be in the movie night. Uh, well, apparently it's epic. I kind of, I, I don't know what. Does it actually look interesting? Um, I only saw the poster. I didn't see any clips of it. Oh, okay. but, um, <laughs> uh, but it is apparently epic and, you know, I think it has a good ending, at least. I, I think so. Everything happily ever after? Yeah. Okay. Um, Alexandra at least said that, you know, she was inspired by that story of the main character kind mm-hmm. of thing from, you know, going through all the trials and tribulations to being right. sort of, you know successful in a certain way or something but um mm-hmm. yeah or yeah how to feel successful in an industry that's so controlling yeah yeah maybe um, some kind of relation there and but, she i think she went through a bunch of different titles as well before she got to that one but it was yeah it was mostly she was inspired by the film but she also said she was kind of relieved because it was a good title and she just wanted a good title for the album. <laughs> she didn't have to keep making stuff up herself <laughs> exactly, kind of yeah. i'm gonna use this one yeah, yeah. it's a great name 
Yeah. I think yeah. I didn't know that when I first listened to the album, and I think it fits really well, so I think it's cool. Yeah. And also to say um, the other co-producer of that album um, was James Ford, who did do a lot of productions, work on Arctic Monkey stuff. Oh, okay. He's also worked on Florence and the Machine, Depeche Mode, Jesse Ware. Nice. Got an episode on her. Go yeah. check her out. Super cool. And Gorillaz. So, oh, so he's a superstar. Yeah. So he was, um, I think maybe like Alex Turner was the glue for the songwriting. Right. And then James Ford was the glue for the production quality okay. of the album sort of thing. Like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. I mean, yeah. overall, the whole album, um, it's kind of it's kind of dark, mm-hmm. kind of got melancholy, mm-hmm. some nostalgic feel. It's, you know it's kind of sharp but you know there's a lot of cool little melodies going on with you know synths or yeah. guitars and it's very kind of spacey but Strings. kind of haunted Strings. yeah kind of you know, creeping orchestration yeah, yeah. um it's not super upfront or anything but it's it's tasteful yeah. like i said it still kind of all sounds kind of bedroomy kind of yeah kind of chill as yeah, far yeah, as production yeah. goes yeah um but yeah it's it's pretty it's a little strange it's mostly kind of just poppy and straightforward yeah. but it's a little strange in there mm. and it's pretty emotional i don't know i'm just yeah. saying stuff off the top that that i feel when i listen to that music yeah um but yeah i mean that's uh, that's that's my favorite album of hers and the whole thing's pretty good all the way through nice. so let's uh play one more track off this album then before we move on to okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um yes play shades shades okay that's probably my favorite track off of this whole record. Ooh, your favorite track. Yes. Okay. Shades. Love it. Off Belladonna of Sadness by Alexandra Savior, who we're talking about today. So, I mean, do you like that track? I think it's dope, just the way the, how melodic the bass is. And I think it's kind of doubled by uh, yeah. some kind of Mellotron or, or synth, mm-hmm. possibly. And then, you know, just the kind of airy, haunting, reverby guitars and just the simple, everything's pretty simple, but it all works together and has its place in the production. And, and I think it works really nice yeah. with her, her kind of soft, haunting, emotional vocals on top. I do it definitely like this mood. It reminds yeah, me mood. of another artist that I want us to talk about in a different episode, which I'll probably mention for next week. Okay. I'm excited to hear. Anna Calvi. Have you heard her stuff before? No, don't Anna. know the name. Uh, she's a British singer, songwriter as well, but very specific kind of mood, which definitely fits in this realm. Nice. I think. Yeah. So I like that kind of mood. Yeah. Kind of dark. Yeah, kind of grungy. The music's not grungy, but yeah, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. She just has her nice. Um, Alex Turner does a nice job of incorporating melody with the other instruments. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when she's not doing a nice pretty melody with the vocal, yeah, he'll, you can hear a little flourish on on the synth or on the guitar. Yeah. yeah. Very melodic. Yeah, yeah. Not completely just rhythmic, but I, I just really like the production, and it's like that on the whole album. Very, very tasteful. I was trying to find my note about how she described her own music, but I can't find it. But I will go from my memory to see if I can get this correct. Okay, that sounds good. Let's see what we got. Um, She said her sound is basically like you're kind of in the desert and then you get lost and then you get opened up into this other world where there's like this desert bar and, and there's no one in this bar apart from this... A lonely singer in the corner, a female singer with red hair crooning away in a long black dress. Hmm. That is a vibe right there. That's a vibe. That's how she, I think, I'm, I'm ad-libbing. But that's yeah, paraphrasing. Of, paraphrasing, yeah. Um, that's kind of how she described that's her cool. sound. Yeah, that's which cool. Which is very, yeah, very visual. Yeah. It, yeah, her music to me is, yeah, what she's able to do and, you know, with the production of the other members and stuff, it's, yeah, it's yeah. visual. And it's vibey and it's moody. Yeah. So yeah, desert. Yeah. I don't know why that that seems fitting though. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, like, I mean, this is a great album. There's no denying that. Yeah, I agree. And it's a great sound, and there's nothing. It's faultless, I would say. Yeah. Sonically. Yeah, totally. 
But for some reason, there was all this whole craziness in the industry around it. So apparently she finished this album in 2015 and it didn't come out until two years later. Yeah, there was some some yeah. rigmarole, rigor, yeah. rigor, rigmarole, rigmarole. Yeah, going on, and it took yeah. a while for the. I don't know what happened, um, and and unfortunately, after this album came out as well, she was dropped by Columbia, the record label that financed it, put it out. Right, and she was also dropped by her management. Um, yeah, he just quit. Yeah, he just quit. Apparently. Right. So I. Very interesting because this yeah. is like. Anybody would be happy to be a part of this project. Yeah. And I feel Artistically, like... Artistically, at least, yeah. Like, is, there, is there not a market for this kind of music at all anywhere? There's no... It's not... Cause it's not Katy Perry sounding, so they didn't want to deal with it anymore? Cause, yeah, I think it might be a major label thing, because it's like, you know, they put all of this, you know, investment into it, and then it wasn't a massive hit or something, because they needed to be a massive hit in this day and age for it to make any money back kind of thing. Yeah. And then the numbers weren't coming in. Yeah, and so like it's it's weird thing because it, it definitely seems to me that she's someone that you know she didn't want to sign to a label that was going to make her a Katy Perry or Pink. Yeah, she signed with Columbia and was able to achieve making this album in her on her terms in her way kind of thing. Um, and then yeah, I don't know the I don't know the backstory kind of thing. I mean, I'm guessing if a label drops you, it's because they think a album didn't make its money back and it's not hit, or there's not enough of a trajectory projected. Yeah, which is like you know, it's it's very bizarre and strange. It's not bizarre. It's, I mean, it makes sense for a big corporation to. I'd like to be in that that room when they made that decision. Yeah. You no, know, what are they saying? Because I mean, it has huge names attached attached yeah, to the album like alex turner and that, ford yeah and that was one of the things i think when she went on a publicity tour for it kind of thing i saw a ton of interviews where people were asking her it's like well how do you feel about you know his name constantly being brought up mm -hmm. like i think they were using his name to promote the album like yeah more of the time and asking her constantly about it sort of thing you know, she doesn't sound like she had a great time working with him and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But when it came to like the marketing side of it, he was sort of like over his name was overshadowing the project or something like that. Like, well, up until this yeah, point, she's yeah. basically a no name. Yeah, it's true. you know, yeah. and then he's kind of on the top of his game. Yeah, yeah. With Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, yeah. And not that it, I'm saying it should go one way or another, mm -hmm. but you know, if if there's a lot of hype around an album and somebody says, oh, Alex Turner's on it, mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody who you don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense for interviewees to, yeah, to yeah. ask about this huge name. Like, why wouldn't yeah, you yeah. want to know? I, but I understand, like, it's, it, it's a weird situation because she's the one being interviewed. And they're yeah. like, oh, so how, how did Alex do it? What? Exactly, yeah, And yeah. most of the interviews I come across, you know, written interviews from these different sites and stuff, they, they'd be asking her, like, do you think it was weird being asked about Alex Turner? Like such a meta question yeah. <laughs> about something like about how they're, she was affected by that and the media asking her yeah. about Alex Turner's involvement. Yeah. And then they're asking questions about that. So it's still, yeah. they're still perpetuating it by asking, well, how do you feel about getting asked about Alex Turner? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it, so I, it's a weird mixed up thing because it's such a dynamic, basically no name from yeah. Pacific Northwest and then a huge name. Yeah worldwide fame yeah yeah and i there's going to be some kind of little clash yeah people are going to be interested in that huge of a name yeah so i don't know it just must have been a little confusing for her and like you said i think it was a little frustrating yeah and, and maybe a little hard to to sort out in in her head you know i can't imagine she's you know she's pretty young yeah i mean yeah she was really young when that came out early 20s like, I yeah i mean she got signed when she was 18 i think yeah exactly. so yeah. i mean yeah. yeah yeah so like um but 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 i'm amazed at what they achieved because the albums are amazing like yeah you know, i'm i'm i don't know why it didn't work out the label and the management and all that but like artistically i would say this is an achievement like totally you know i would be proud to have made that album yeah and, like have any part on it i, would, exactly, I love yeah. it it's great all the way around yeah cool people working on it and i think they really achieved what they were trying to do yeah yeah um so uh, yeah i mean so what are you gonna do a little bit of her story then after that i mean i think she toured a little bit with that album and stuff like that did publicity tours and all that mm -hmm. but um yeah but after getting dropped by the label and the management she actually moved back to portland from la 
she, I don't know if we said this, but yeah, yeah, we did say this earlier. She moved to LA. Yes, during this whole period, she was living in LA, yeah, yeah. as was Alex Turner yeah. during the production of Belladonna of Sadness. Yeah, and then she, yeah, well, interesting side story. I don't know if this is interesting. She was living behind a strip club. Apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I... a bit sketchy in Hollywood. And uh, I've been to Hollywood. Have you been? Have you pounded the streets around Hollywood? I've been through, but I haven't really explored too much. It's horrible place. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's like it's it, dynamic, right? You know, in your mind, you think Hollywood's great, but I'm I'm pretty sure most of our listeners have been to LA and Hollywood. Maybe mm-hmm. like if you're if you're in America, maybe. But for British people, people outside, totally the country is like Hollywood's this thing, and then you get there, and it's like well, it's like the most slimiest Hollywood Boulevard is the most yeah it's sketchiest place, dirty. You know, there's homeless <laughs> people, but then you go down just oh, take this street, yeah. and it's a beautiful, rich, yeah, yeah. big like, houses with palm trees down the middle, yeah. and then you take another right or something, and you're back to the slums, kind of. Yeah, and I think she had a whole issue as well of about being in LA because you know, you know, she said Portland is more of kind of a um well you know intellectual artistic place when people meet you like and you talk to people you know it's genuine but when she was in LA she she had this whole battle with the social scene out there where it was like people weren't genuine and they're kind of fake and mm-hmm. people was asking what you do all the time and I just don't think it jived with her kind of thing um it doesn't really jive with me to be honest with you like I, I know we've toyed with the idea of going down there the only reason that was we, the plan at one point. I know. The only reason I go down there is to create, um, right? But not to live. Like mm-hmm. you know, once I've created, I probably want to get out. Like yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, it's a little but, more vapid, a little yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing, and how can you benefit me somehow? How can we? Yeah. How can, how can I? How can you help me achieve what I want to do? Yeah, which is you know, I mean, that's that's the scene down there. That's where the epicenter of um, media commercial media is yeah content creation in general i guess you could say yeah so and and yeah you know keep portland weird yeah i I think she quoted that and you it just got that area is a little more accepting and and non-judgmental of what you're doing or who you are not trying to ask or expect things of you yeah um yeah, so that might be a little more comfortable for for a young girl like her and you know yeah she she said at one point as well like she you know she would um I think she said this when she was living in LA. She was like, well, I want to buy a house in Poland at mm-hmm. some point kind of thing. And kind of make a, Sounds good. a home base sort of thing. But yeah, so after this album, the high of working with Alex Turner and creating this amazing album, she finds herself back in Portland and going to community college mm-hmm. and living in her, in her mom's house. Right. She moved back home. Yeah. Felt like she had to go. I mean, yeah, what a dynamic thing to yeah. go i'm gonna go to la yeah make a sick album with alex turner yeah and then my label's gonna drop me and my manager's gonna quit i'm yeah. gonna go back home and go to college yeah <laughs> that's insane that's a, such what, a, what a about, switch up. about turn and um you know and and yeah and she was doing that and i think she got sort of went through a little bit of depression during that period as well yeah she was think, mentioning that i think she split up with a, a long-term boyfriend mm-hmm. as well during that time and um but all of this didn't stop her and it it fueled her inspiration to write her second album Mm -hmm. um which is called the archer which came out in 2020 yeah so only three years after after that which is pretty good considering that's what was happening in her personal life yeah totally to be able to spin around and come out was another great album i think like, yeah totally yeah. i mean it's a relatively quick turnaround time mm-hmm. you know i mean we talked about the avalanches their second album didn't come out for 16 <laughs> years mm-hmm. this is three is nothing um exactly you know so props because that's actually a pretty good and she said even time. she was even writing i think because it took so long for the first album to come out mm-hmm. that she was already ahead of it and she was already writing stuff Mm-hmm. So she said most of the material for The Archer was written in 2017, 2018, which is when uh, the first album came out and when she was touring it. Um, so she already wrote the, wrote the bulk, of those, bulk of those songs and then she only recorded it in three weeks in Brooklyn. Right, like, which um, is very fast. Yeah. And and I, so I guess before that, mm-hmm. before she made the album, 
what kind of kicked it off was she she knew danger mouse somehow some way yeah i don't know how that happened yeah but i I wasn't able to figure out how they met um but kind of like we were talking about earlier she has an affinity for for meeting people it it might industry it might have been somehow through james ford he was involved in the production of belladonna of sadness because he did work with gorillas and so did danger mouse okay so this so you can put together the connections possible yeah possible if anybody knows let us know because that'd be a cool little tidbit to know um for for everybody we could put that up on social media or something but so he danger mouse offered her a deal on his record label yeah um 30th century records yeah and so they signed her yeah um and i'm not sure exactly what the deal was for how much money or for how many albums or anything like that but um at least for this one and this is as far as she's gotten so far yeah which is her latest album like you said 2020 the archer yeah super good i think it's a little lighter in tone it's yeah it's it's pretty but it's it's playful um i I like it a lot actually when i i that was the first album i listened to and then i listened to her first album and um yeah i felt I felt this before I heard her talk about it. Um, I felt that it, it seemed less, it seemed more free and more open. Right. And more yeah. Honest. Totally. And then I heard what she had to say about it. And she said that. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I, I kind of heard it and it was like, um, <laughs> I already knew that said Jay. <laughs> I'm, uh, hey, I'm not trying to big up myself, whatever. I'm just a little guy. No, yeah, we all are. We are. <laughs> but, um, uh, no, it was just like, yeah, she. Uh, so she produced this album of a guy called Sam Cohen. I don't know too much about him, but um, it sounds like you know she wrote every song and he produced the instrumentation. I think. Yeah, I I, I I I had it pulled up at some point, but um, yeah, that guy that guy makes some sick stuff, yeah. and he's he's been, um, yeah, I don't have it up, but he he's made he's you know yeah. pretty prominent in the industry. Worked with a lot of cool people, yeah. and a lot of huge artists, yeah, and um. Yeah, this this album is like, for me, it's like if you compare it to the first album, I wouldn't say the first album is commercial, um, but it's but it feels. I think maybe it's just Alex Turner's stamp on it, I which think, which I, is I think is the difference between that one and this one. Mm-hmm. This one is like her vibe without his stamp on it, which actually tells you a lot about her style and approach as well that right. it was very like her first album sounds very 50 50 then mm-hmm. because this album you, it, it sounds the same just without alex turner's input sort of thing yeah you know, and it was yeah. all her as far as yeah. i know um yeah, yeah. as far as the the songwriting yeah. and i'm not exactly sure what, who else helped her produce the parts as far as the guitar and the bass and the drums but she definitely wrote but all the songs yeah she had yeah, a much yeah. more yeah you know full creative control about the songwriting Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the lyrics and stuff she didn't really have any help like Alex Turner doing lyrics and, and mm-hmm. melodies with her mm-hmm. um, but you can still feel that same style um, so she definitely brought yeah. it and you can tell after the fact that she was very involved in the first album obviously yeah. and then she's carrying over the energy to the next one in a little bit of a different way like you said more free yeah. Um, I mean yeah so she's a she's a compelling narrator mm-hmm. you know when she's speaking with her with her singing voice Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, yeah. Um, and and on this album, I think it's you know, she presents the songs really well. They're a little bit less conventionally structured. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess those are just those are my little notes about how I feel about that album. But it's very good, uh, yeah. and she still brings those great vocals. Yeah. And like, I like the melody she comes up with, and it's I, it was cool to know that she didn't work with like Alex Turner on some of this stuff, and she's still coming with. with coming up with these cool melodies yeah. so i'm fumbling over my words here no, no, no. Um, um but really intricate kind of melodies sometimes even though they come off in a simple way yeah but she's kind of going up and down and, and yeah. really cool melodies for me at least i guess like so a couple of things to say about this album that she said um one about because i said the turnaround time seemed pretty quick kind right. of thing actually about that she said she was pretty determined to make sure it came out because um, she didn't want to fall into the shadow of the music industry Mm. and she said she was hustling um she said i think whether or not i am a public artist i'll write songs just for personal experience and to exercise my creativity yeah you know so she was like doing that and then you know also she said i was intentionally trying to impress the label 
um, that I wasn't really suited for. I think she was saying about her first album. Mm -hmm. um, and then when she had the freedom, it felt like she'd write the songs and they and they would just go into the abyss because there was nobody for me to send them to and nobody was listening at all. Um, and she says that's thinks that's probably what made them more personal sounding because she wasn't trying to impress right. anyone with the second album. She was just writing for her own personal reasons and for just her had own all sake. that freedom kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is great, and I think she nailed it and made a really good album. Yeah, yeah, and um, and she said she also like you know found some good '60s sounds, um, experimenting with Sam Cohen, the producer kind of thing. But um, right, yeah. Do you want to yeah. play a track off this guy? Yeah, I think actually we opened up the show with oh that's right, send her back. Um, I just loved that. It was like bit slamming and funky kind of mm -hmm. thing yeah. which i'm always down for um i'm gonna play this track now saving grace cool yeah i think this was that was one of her singles yeah cool Saving Grace. Love it. You hear those vocals? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, just, she just really does it for me. She can tell a story with her vocal parts, even though yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. can tell exactly what she's singing as far as lyrics. Yeah, yeah. You know, but she, she conveys that emotion so well for me. Yeah. And I, I, I just think she kills it. Definitely, yeah. It's like, I can see what you say about Lana Del Rey, mm -hmm. but her voice is, I think, better than Lana Del Rey. no yeah i think it's it's like what lana del rey aspires kind of wanted to be maybe but lana del rey's a little more heavy-handed a little more sultry and yeah. you mentioned alexandra's vocals as being a little sultry yeah, yeah as one yeah, descriptor yeah, yeah. um yeah but yeah i just think hers are a little bit better a little smoother than lana's i'd say you know not to compare comparison yeah. is the thief of joy <laughs> Yeah, that is the saying. Um, no, I, I just made that up, Jay. Come on. No, I'm just okay. kidding. <laughs> um, Not to yeah. compare, but they're... Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I prefer Alexandra's. Well, because if you, do, if you do listen to her stuff, you are sort of thinking about comparisons, about how she sounds similar to... Yeah. Yeah, right now, I think Lana Del Rey is probably a comparison, Philly. Conspiracy. That's feeling? a new word. I'm gonna write that one down. I don't know. What, I what were say. you trying to say? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I was gonna say comparison, but then I, oh. I just could say conspiracy, and it Con sounded like conspiracy. Con conspiracy theory. Conspiracy. I don't know. <laughs> I'll let, hey, all words are made up, Jay. All words are made up. At some point, yeah, someone decided. Right. All words. Everyone. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I will say, um, yeah, Anna, Anna Calvi, which I'll, I'll spin some stuff next week and we'll talk nice. about that. I'm excited. I think you'll like it. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, what else was I going to say about that? That was, that was about it. Like the, yeah, the the 60s vibe kind of thing. Oh, well, yeah, I think I think one maybe one of her inspirations that she did mention was a, a 60s Italian singer called Mina Mazzini. Okay. Um, which I listened to some of her stuff and it's very, you know, I was gonna, I was trying to find a track to maybe play today, but I'm right. not sure it was quite fitting. Um, that would have been cool. That's okay. I mean, I can spin a little bit. Um, uh, she mentioned her, because someone actually asked her, like, you know, um, if you're going to do karaoke... <laughs> Everyone has their karaoke song or karaoke artists. Apparently. Alexandra? Yeah. Uh, an, an interviewer, a radio interviewer asked her, what would you do? Um, and this, and, this is what she said, this Mazzini lady? Yeah. And she mentioned her, um, which is funny because all her songs are in Italian language. But I think it was like, she's from the 60s and she had this whole, I think there was a whole story about how she, she was an actress and a singer and then she had an affair with a famous actor, and then she was kind of cancelled in in Italian mainstream media because it was all scandalous back then, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And and 
and then she ended up coming back with this whole like uh, singing career where she just embraced the scandalousness. That's what you got to do. And it was like, well, if double you, down. If you see me that way, then that's how I'm going to be, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, just went for it. And yeah, yeah. to connect all these dots here, I think doesn't yeah. Alex Turner have an album or Arctic Monkeys album that's called "I Am Whatever You Say I Am." Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's it. Yeah, or ish, mm. close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go with that. Sure. Which also, <laughs> I didn't want to talk about the Ariel Pink thing, but we did do. He's canceled. An episode, yeah. Don't talk about him. I'm just kidding. Well, it's messed up because uh, I I, uh, I accidentally watched accidentally because it just came up. It was recommended to me because I was previously looking at Ariel Pink things. Right. But there was a Tucker Carlson interview with Ariel Pink. Tucker Carlson being the oh, the, I, the crazy Fox News guy or whatever. I was on a road trip with my sister and she mentioned that. Yeah. I was I watched, blown away. I watched it and it was... Um, all the comments on the YouTube channel was like, this is the weirdest thing on YouTube. That's I, I, I got to go watch that. I forgot about that. Yeah. And it, it, it sucks because um, he lost his record deal and everything just because he went to a, a Trump rally and he wasn't there at the insurrection. He wasn't part of that. But mm-hmm. He was like there, the one that the day before or whatever, the thing before. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't hate people. Like, I don't have anything to like, I mean, a lot of us don't like Trump, whatever, but like, you know, I'm not going to cancel someone that has an opposing political view than mine. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, and that's kind of what happened to him. He went through that, Ariel Pink went through this whole thing. And I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I think it was related to something you said a while ago, a moment I don't, ago. No, I don't know. Oh, yeah, oh, for whatever about, reason. Oh, we're talking about uh, the Italian singer Mina, who was canceled. Oh, she was canceled, Back yeah. in the 60s in Italy, kind of thing. And you mentioned the Arctic uh, Monkeys. You you out? Oh, um, what was it? Uh, uh, I am whatever you say. I am. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Just made me think about that. As like, um, you know, Ariel Pink went through this whole thing of like just being just blasted in the media for his political beliefs, and uh, it's very kind of unfair and um, messed up. I mean, up, yeah, just kind of unsavory. It's not fun. I don't no. think he deserves that. No, you know, we live in America. It's supposed to have freedom of speech. Yeah, I don't know. I think supposedly it's, I think it's it's it, it's not good to yeah persecute someone for their beliefs you know now if their beliefs are extreme and involve harming people that's one thing but As, you know but if your beliefs are just literally a different point of view than right. yours kind of thing and then, you know. to be fair Ariel Pink did have some other accusations from his girlfriend about um yeah you know yeah. D- domestic stuff yeah i which guess i don't know yeah, we don't know the facts yeah, about I, that I, yeah i don't want to speak to that either so not taking any sides on that or whatever or what went down there but, but like, if he yeah. was canceled just for going to a rally yeah, for yeah. anybody yeah. that you support who's yeah. not a you know downright terrorist or something yeah, yeah i don't think people deserve to be canceled yeah if that's what it if that's all the music was, career which that's what the talk of carlson and the view was about was all about him being canceled musically uh-huh. for his political beliefs and uh yeah and he, he even said in the interview he can't even afford his lawyer now he can't to like you know so uh, i don't know not, it's just something to think about people like you know yeah that's you know food for thought food for thought you know Let's play. So, so that's Alexandra Savior, everyone. Well, hey, let's have a good night. Do, let's do a little bit of this in the background. This is that singer. This is Mazzini? Yeah, Mazzini. Nice, I like it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So apparently, yeah, Alexandra listens to a lot of Mina on her on her Spotify. I'm gonna go cue some of that up. It sounds pretty nice. Yeah. It sounds like a nice Sunday morning coffee. Oh yeah, listen. yeah, for sure. Or throw some headphones on and take a walk through the park. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it feels a little more uplifting than Alexandra. Yeah, a little more positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I don't know what she's saying. Singing it. Yeah, I mean, no clue. <laughs> no clue. 
This track is called Se Telefonado from her album Studio Uno 66. <laughs> that so came yeah. out in 66? I think so, yeah. But yeah, it's well, a, that's great. It's, it's a vibe, you know, it's that 60s vibe kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, you can hear in that last track we played by Alexandra Savior. Yeah, yeah. Kind of hitting some of those. Yeah, yeah. Audio. Yeah. Visceral sonic palettes. Yeah, yeah, totally. That energy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's all I got on Alexandra Savior. Yeah. You got anything else? That's about right. I just, I just hope she uh, carries on, navigates her way through the industry to come out on the other side and make another album and continue making albums because she's definitely talented. She's got that vibe. It's got that sat, that voice. Yeah, she's got so, it all. She's got the work yeah. ethic. She's yeah. got the vocals, the, the yeah. willingness to put a lot of effort into lyrics yeah, yeah. and working with different people to, to create what she has in her head. Yeah. I, I low-key hope she works with Alex Turner again. Mm. I, I specifically like that album Belladonna of Sadness yeah. um, as a standalone yeah. in, the, in my whole music world. Nice. Um, her second album is pretty good. Mm. I'm not as familiar with it. I'm still getting more familiar with it, and I, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying, I, I got definitely feelings for that Belladonna Sadness album. Well, I think that one's dope. Just bust on shades in your car. Yeah. Yes. Well, unfortunately, though, I'm going to close out with a track from her second album. <laughs> no, it sounds good. Where do so you... you can get more familiar with it? Perfect. Cool. Um, this track called Howl. Howl. I think that was another one of her singles. Yeah. And uh, we'll leave everybody with that. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. It's been Roots to Grooves. I'm Jesse Quigley. Jay Purcell. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace out, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.